This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. I hope everyone is doing great, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not had the opportunity to check out episode 135, please consider doing so. We had Wide Awake Jim back on the show, as you know. He was a CPA, he built a financial planning business, and then he got into oil and gas royalties in 2010, and he has been researching the climate change grift, the green energy grift, the climate change hustle, central bank digital currency, carbon credits, all this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, basically the building of the technocratic state that we find ourselves living in. And the advancement of that system into the future. Really going all the way to 2050 is what Wide Awake Jim is looking at. So it's great. He's been on uh, nine times, I believe. We have a lot more to cover. He's constantly reading books because he's staying on top of the things that will inf- uh, affect the oil and gas industry that he's invested in. And so he's always researching, and he always comes here with a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, uh, being in financial planning and having to deal with the federal government, IRS, you know, doing people's taxes. So he's got a lot to share, folks. So check out those episodes. A lot of you have emailed me and thanked me very much for those. Many of you have heard Jim on Mike Moore's Hotwire, which is an extension of the Thomas Paine podcast. And so now you got to see Jim in full form sharing all of his research, all of his highlighted material, and then analyzing all that stuff on the fly for you. So I thank you very much for reaching out. We'll continue to do those shows as jim has a lot more to share also i always pick his brain off air about investment vehicles safe investments as we're moving into sort of unpredictable times with central bank digital currency coming this new worldwide financial structure so i'm always picking his brain trying to figure out where my wife and i could move some money around what we should we invest in what are safer investments all towards helping us build our goal of getting our hands on this homestead so i'm going to start to do some shows with jim where we will help folks navigate the crazy world of investments how to make more money faster be able to build that uh that cash 
lump sum that you're going to need if you're looking to buy a piece of property in a homestead. That's what I'm focused on. So I think Jim could bring that to the table. So I'm in the process of talking to him about this, how we could shape those shows, how he could do it in a way where he doesn't get himself in trouble because he's not a licensed financial advisor or planner anymore. So he wants to be careful. Me, on the other hand, I'm not either. I don't really care. I host a podcast and I'm trying to help people figure out creative ways to get themselves out of this hellhole that we find ourselves living in here, the technological technocracy matrix system. All right, folks, just like this morning, I had to enter the matrix with my wife. She got a flat tire and I saw a piece of metal stuck in the tread because I changed the tire and put the donut on. So we went down to the tire place I've used. I bought tires from They're really good, good price. I sent her there last year and so we went today and it looks like it's a whole new staff i don't know what's going on folks everyone seems like they are walking around with chemo brain which many believe is the side effects of the jab people just are moving slower their thinking is not as clear they seem to have a hard time actually holding a conversation i know it was bad before covid land the high school theater production but now It just seems even worse. People are moving at a snail's pace. Nobody seems to be uh, in a rush anymore to get things done. So I just had to sit there for the last two or three hours waiting to get this uh, tire changed. And um, it was just, it was a real pain. I, I hate stepping into the matrix. I really do. But sometimes you have to do it, folks. Sometimes you have to do it. What we're gonna do tonight is we're going to continue with industrial society and its future. Many of you out there have figured out who the author of this paper is. You have reached out to me and you said, I know who wrote this. I read this many years ago. And some people went and started looking up the title of the paper and came back and said they know who it is. That's great, folks. That means you're doing research on your own. And if that is what I've sparked you to do, then I am proud of that, folks, because I want people to go out and research this material on your own. If you don't have time, I hope that you are developing trust in me that I am providing you with fact-based analysis of the history of this system, uh, this system in its present form, and this system in the future. And you will hopefully be able to navigate your life and make better decisions based on what we're doing here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So I'll continue down this path for you folks. All right, so let's pick back up. I don't want to waste a lot of time because I'm going to try to get this document done over the next couple of shows. Uh, And then we're going to have some guests coming on. And then from this, we're going to move into another 1995 paper actually a book by anthony sutton on the federal reserve the wide awake jim recommend we read because he said it answered a lot of questions for him as he's been going through the process of awakening to the technocratic system so we're going to review that in between a lot of guest interviews that we have lined up ladies and gentlemen so let's jump right back into industrial society and its future this 1995 paper if you remember we are on section Uh, which is technology is a more powerful social force than the aspiration for freedom. And we worked ourselves down to paragraph 131. For those of you who are just joining in, the author uh, puts a paragraph number between each paragraph. And I think that's great uh, because it'll be easier for you if you download 
this book or you get a hold of the book or the paper or you find the PDF, you can look up Industrial Society and its future PDF and you'll be able to find this. I recommend downloading it so that you have a copy. And then if you want to look up certain passages uh, off of um, listening to the podcast, I say the paragraph number at the beginning of each paragraph. So it makes it easy for you to look it up. So let's start with paragraph 131. I'm not going to go backwards. As I've said on the other shows, if I go backwards, then we're never going to get this finished. Paragraph 131. Technicians, we use this term in its broad sense to describe all those who perform a specialized task that requires training, tend to be so involved in their work, which is their surrogate activity, that when a conflict arises between their technical work and freedom, they almost always decide in favor of their technical work. And and, and let me just bring this up. It's interesting because today, J-Mal on Twitter, uh, he has been a guest on the Thomas Paine podcast, I believe on the Hotwire. I've talked to him a few times on the phone. He's working on some presentation that he wants to come present here on the Dustin Gold Standard. Uh, But I saw him pop in actually it wasn't it didn't originate with him it originated with legal man of the podcast the quash somebody had posted a question about whether or not the military would turn against the people the citizens you folks out there at the orders of joe biden now this is um a question that has been asked since i was interested in politics since i got involved 15 years ago uh, even back under George W. Bush, yeah, would the military turn against the folks if the folks rose up against illegal immigration and went down and tried to secure the border? And we've heard this time and time again. And it, it is my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, the military will always turn against the people. The military, first off, is not a monolith, but at the same time, you are trained to follow orders. You are an enforcer for the system. You are a robot when you're in the military. You're not allowed to think for yourself. You take orders, you follow orders, then you look at the brass. They're just politicians with medals. You look at all the illegal wars we fought over the last 250 years. The military did that. Look at all the Frankenstein doctors, the transhumanists, the technocrats inside of the military. Look at the military budget when it's funding all of this technocracy from uh, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and others. The military-industrial complex. So to think that the military is not going to turn against the people if ordered by joe biden or donald trump or you know jesus christ if he was president of the united states the military is going to do what they do the vast majority went and got vaccinated when they were told they had to get the jab which isn't strange because when you're in the military and you're going to go overseas to fight a war you have to get all kinds of vaccines so they're used to that folks so it's not that i think they're even going to turn the military against us i don't believe that's actually going to happen i don't believe they need to uh once central bank digital currency is in place they just turn your wallet off they turn off your ability to move from uh quadrant to quadrant within the technique that's how it's going to work they don't need to do it with guns but look at the military specially trained force of folks and when put up against the technical work or their work and they work obviously in different fields inside the military versus freedom they're going to choose their work they're going to choose their work it's just the way it is and then all of these people 
uh, operating inside of corporations, inside of other government departments, inside of government contractors, which is a majority of these companies now, programmers that are working inside Silicon Valley. Of course, they're going to choose their work over freedom. Do you think someone is going to stand up inside the office and say, no, I'm not programming that because this program is going to hurt freedom? First, they don't even understand what that means. And second off, they're going to choose their job. Uh, The vast majority of people are. Let's continue. This is obvious in the case of scientists, but it also appears elsewhere. Educators, humanitarian groups, conservation organizations do not hesitate to use propaganda or other psychological techniques to help them achieve their laudable ends. Corporations and government agencies, when they find it useful, do not hesitate to collect information about individuals without regards to their privacy. Law enforcement agencies are frequently inconvenienced by the constitutional rights of suspects and often of completely innocent persons, and they do whatever they can do legally or sometimes illegally to restrict or circumvent those rights. Most of the educators, government officials, and law enforcers believe in freedom privacy and constitutional rights but when these conflict with their work they usually feel that their work is more important again that ties right in there the military i gave as an example but look at all of these other folks and i would say back in 1995 you had more people reciting the bumper sticker slogans of freedom privacy constitutional rights than you actually see today I think 28 years later, we have removed ourselves even further from the ideas of freedom, privacy, and constitutional rights. Since 95, you had the Patriot Act, you had a lot of other issues that have come up that have pushed freedom, privacy, and constitutional rights to the back burner. Not that they weren't in 95, but they are even more so today. Let's continue. Paragraph 132, it is well known that people generally work better and more persistently when striving for a reward than when attempting to avoid a punishment or negative outcome. And the reward system is what we would call gamification. I've covered that here on the Dust and Gold Standard. We actually tied gamification into the gig worker world of which 65 million people in the United States are doing gig work either part or full time. And I believe those systems are actually test pilots for the gamification applications that will come out from the government in the future. Basically, uh, be a good citizen type app that's tied into your digital ID and your CBDC wallet. Let's continue. Scientists and other technicians are motivated mainly by the rewards they get through their work. But those who oppose technological invasions of freedom are working to avoid a negative outcome. Consequently, there are few who are persistently and well at this discouraging task. If reformers ever achieved a signal victory that seemed to step up a solid barrier against further erosion of freedom through technical progress, most would tend to relax and turn their attention to more agreeable pursuits. But the scientists who remain busy in their laboratories and technology as it progresses would find ways, in spite of any barriers, to exert more and more control over individuals and make them always more dependent on the system. And this rings true for a lot of things, folks. 
Take me, for example, or you, for example. And I've had a lot of trouble actually trying to figure out over the last 15 years what I was going to do, how I could market what I was doing in order to feed my family while I was fighting against corruption or while I'm fighting against technology destroying freedom. When you stand on the side that says no right no to what the mainstream what the system what the state wants to accomplish there's not a whole lot of opportunity to actually earn a living you're telling people to resist something to resist something so you have to show them why this thing whatever it may be this technology in this case is going to destroy their freedom but then you have to make them understand what freedom is what freedoms they are giving up and why they shouldn't give up those freedoms for perceived convenience being provided by the technology. So you're actually always fighting back against something instead of being for something. If I used my ability to explain this stuff and ran a podcast that was pro-technology, pro-artificial intelligence, pro-robots, pro-replacing humanity, I probably could make a ton of money. I could probably get some branch-off organization funded by a Peter Thiel Elon Musk to pay me to sit online and talk about how great technocracy is, how fantastic the system is going to be. But when I sit here and warn you about it, and I'm going against the grain, trying to push back and resist against something that 99% of the world welcomes, it's very difficult to uh, build a following and figure out how to put food on your table even though you're trying to do the right thing which is fight on the side of freedom against a system that wants to take freedom away think about that ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dust to gold with the dust of gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Alright, folks, let's take a look at this again because this is rather important. Again, it says scientists and other technicians are motivated mainly by the rewards they get through their work. But those who oppose technological invasions of freedom are working to avoid a negative outcome. 
Consequently, there are few who work persistently and well at this discouraging task, right? So that would be myself actually working to do it. You listening, preaching to your friends, you're working to try to stop what you see as a negative outcome. Not just in the future, but we see it here today. Let's just look at the example of what I mentioned yesterday, this documentary idea that's being floated around between Wide Awake Jim and Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, and myself, right? A documentary to show all the freedoms that we've lost just from the 1970s to now, and then showing people the freedoms you're going to lose between now and 2050. But you're trying to warn people against something that there are a lot more people working towards building. There are more people trying to build it than trying to stop it. It says if reformers ever achieved a single victory, that seemed to set up a solid barrier against further erosion of freedom through technical progress, most would tend to relax and turn their attention to more agreeable pursuits. Now, think about all of the hundreds of examples we've talked about here on the Dust and Gold Standard and then multiply that by thousands, right? So every little single piece of the technocracy that's being built, let's say we just pick one thing. One fire to go after, and this is why I told you folks, chasing fires is a waste of your time. So let's say we just chase one fire. Now, within Neuralink, Elon Musk brain chip, there are thousands of elements inside there, but let's just take Neuralink. Let's say we set our sights on that. We worked hard on it. We had a million followers online, and we stopped it. And Elon Musk says, that's it. I am closing Neuralink. We are no longer going to pursue the brain chip. But on top of it, there are five, six, seven, eight, twelve 12 other companies working on a brain chip. They're working on the brain chip inside the government through the brain initiative out of DARPA. So we would stop one thing. It could take us 10 years to fight that one issue and stop it. Meanwhile, there's at least a dozen other companies doing it and the government's doing it. On top of it, there are still millions of other elements of the technocracy and transhumanism being built. So we could spend all this time fighting these individual issues, and in the end, you end up with no results. And as the author points out, then we'd relax. We'd take a vacation. Uh, it's like completing a big job at work, and then you, you take a couple days off. You go, oh, we beat Elon Musk and Neuralink. Let's take a break. Meanwhile, as he says, scientists remain busy in their laboratories and technology as it progresses would find ways, in spite of any barriers, to exert more and more control over individuals and make them always more dependent on the system. And, and this is why, whether you're fighting Marxists or you're fighting progressives or you're fighting socialists or communists or fascists or you're fighting against the banking system or you're fighting against the climate change hustle, no matter what it is that you're actually fighting, the side that's trying to make it happen are backed by the bankers. They have millions of people working 24-7, 365 at growing the system, expanding the system to the point of total worldwide digital slavery. They're constantly working while we are just fighting against one thing. That's why I've said I, I believe the realistic approach is to wake up those that I know who are interested in this. They want to understand what's going on. They want to step outside of the system and teaching them, one, that they should and they could, and then two, eventually how to actually do it, 
how to do it. And then those of us who want to withdraw from the system can withdraw from the system, uh, but we're not going to actually change the system. I, I just always think about how large it is. How are you going to change central bank digital currency uh, thinking that you're going to fight the bank for international settlements international monetary fund the world bank all the central banks i mean this huge international monetary system how are you going to stop that now individual people can figure out how to work around it right and that's how you would draw from the system to the point where let's say they make it impossible but you have to change the culture and the only way you can change the culture is to try to do what i'm doing and talk about it and explain it and hopefully people like you will hear it you'll bring it home you'll talk about it to your kids at christmas your grandkids and you will try to change the actual culture but to think we're going to fight bank for international settlements that's obviously not going to happen, folks. It's not going to happen. They'll keep churning. So we can work all of our energy. We could do it Saul Linsky style and go fight one issue, and it'll take you 10 years. It's, it's like winning a lawsuit, right? You can go spend 10 years and $100,000 on a lawyer, win a lawsuit, and at the end of the day, 500 other things occurred while you were fighting that lawsuit that continued to advance whatever it is you were trying to stop with that one lawsuit. All right, let's continue. Paragraph 133. And and let me point this out too uh, right now. One of the big things that I have seen over the last 15 years, I've studied it. I don't talk a lot about it. Uh, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, also talks about this, and she studies it. And she doesn't share most of what she studied because it just blows people's mind. The level of controlled opposition Uh, misinformation agents, disinformation agents that are out there, especially in technocracy, once your eyes are open to technocracy and you're truly unplugged from the matrix, you will see it. So there's folks right now uh, in various sort of sectors and niches in this industry that you think are doing the same thing I am and speaking out against elements of technocracy, the financial system, uh, transhumanism. But if you actually listen to them, they are doing nothing more than driving folks back into the system because they won't tell the truth, which is one, you have to withdraw. They make people believe that you're going to fight the the main system, which is not going to happen. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. If, if someone believes that could actually be done, reach out to me. You could come on the show. We'll talk about it. I just don't believe that could be done. Or number two, what they're going to do is they're going to start to say, well, there's good elements of technology, and so we can't get rid of XYZ technology. We have to get rid of the bad parts. So they'll pretend they're there to reform it. So for instance, let's say facial recognition scanning all over the place. I would call for, it's not going to happen, but I would call for banning that technology altogether. What they will say is, yes, it's bad that it's scanning all the so-called law-abiding folks' faces. Let's reform it. Let's ask Congress, let's lobby them to pass a bill that says it'll only scan bad people's faces. Well, in the end, they didn't fight back against the technology and say, get rid of it. They forced you into this funnel and drove you down the road of believing you're going to separate the good from the bad, when in the end, the whole goal of what they were doing was to get you to accept it.
All right. There's plenty of those folks out there. As you start to see more and more political folks, people that are grifting, folks that are shills, folks that are misinformation, disinformation, controlled opposition, start to take notice. They are the ones that will say to you, transhumanism is bad, uh, screwing uh, robotic arms onto humans is bad, unless we're doing it for good reasons, like repairing a soldier who had his arm blown off. They are just driving you down the path to the continuation of transhumanism, getting you to accept it because they tug at your heartstrings and they play to human emotion. I'm telling you, try to look at it through this lens. You will be blown away. Most of the people that you see out there are actually controlled opposition. Or they are controlled opposition without knowing they are or signing a contract to be controlled opposition. They would be uh, naive. But I don't believe that because most of these people appear to be very intelligent. So if they've done half the studying on this than I have, they would realize that what they're doing is driving people further into technocracy. Maybe I'll do a show and I'll break this down for you and show you what controlled opposition looks like. All right, let's continue. Paragraph 133, no social arrangements, whether laws, institutions, customs, or ethical codes can provide permanent protection against technology. There you go. No social arrangements, whether laws, institutions, customs, or ethical codes can provide permanent protection against technology. History shows that all social arrangements are transitory. They all change or break down eventually. But technological advances are permanent within the context of a given civilization. Suppose, for example, that it were possible to arrive at some social arrangements that would prevent genetic engineering from being applied to human beings or prevent it from being applied in such a way as to threaten freedom and dignity. Still, the technology would remain waiting. See, that's what I was just telling you there. Sooner or later, the social arrangement would break down probably sooner, given the pace of change in our society. And this is written 28 years ago. Society moves at an even uh, faster pace now. Then genetic engineering would begin to invade our sphere of freedom. And this invasion would be irreversible, short of a breakdown of technological civilization itself. As I said, that would be somewhat like divine intervention, like a solar flare that blew out all the satellites and all the power grids. Let's continue. Any illusions about achieving anything permanent through social arrangements should be dispelled by what is currently happening with environmental legislation. A few years ago, it seemed that there were secure legal barriers preventing at least some of the worst forms of environmental degradation, a change in the political wind, and those barriers begin to crumble. So you understand what the author is talking about there. Sort of a social pact. For instance, we are going to have... 
you know, human enhancements. But those enhancements will only be deemed to be ethical if they are used to bring someone's functions back to what would be considered to be normal. So let's say Dustin has 20-20 vision and then his left eye blows out. Well, we're going to bring back his left eye. But in the case of Dustin with two normal eyes, we're not going to give him hawk eyes so he can see further. So you make this so social arrangement, the social pact that says we're only going to use it to bring back someone's function to normal. We're not going to use it to further enhance someone and turn them into a Marvel superhero. Well, all you have to do now is socially engineer society and the culture within 5, 10, 15 years. Now, all of a sudden, you've continued to build the technology just under the guise that you were going to keep it locked down for only those uh, controlled purposes, limited purposes. And now, all of a sudden, the technology's there, and you get the public to go along with implanting Hawkeyes in folks. You see, that's why if you're going to create these social packs, they're going to erode and technology is going to continue to advance. Paragraph 134, for all of the foregoing reasons, technology is a more powerful social force than the aspiration for freedom. But this statement requires an important qualification. It appears that during the next several decades, the industrial technological system, also known as technocracy, folks, will be undergoing severe stresses due to economic and environmental problems, and especially due to problems of human behavior, alienation, rebellion, hostility, a variety of social and psychological difficulties. I think we saw a lot of that, especially during COVID land, the high school theater production goes on to say, we hope that the stresses through which the system is likely to pass will cause it to break down or at least will weaken it sufficiently so that a revolution against it becomes possible. If such a revolution occurs and is successful, then at then at that particular moment, the aspiration for freedom will have proved more powerful than technology. Now, what he's saying here, the author is saying here, is he hopes to see that the system, the technological system, becomes so overstressed, right, that it begins to weaken, it begins to break down to the point then where the folks will uh, revolt against the system, proving that this quest for freedom is more powerful than the growth of technology, I will explain that further when we get back from the break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let's take a look here. I just want to reread the last uh, piece of this paragraph. It says, we hope that the stresses through which the system is likely to pass will cause it to break down, or at least will weaken it sufficiently so that a revolution against it becomes possible. Now, what I see happening, all right, and it's not just what I see, it's what we're reading what we're watching the elites, the bankers, the prison planet wardens, the social engineering class, what they're talking about here. So when you look to World Economic Forum, which is really the chamber of commerce between the public and private sectors, so-called public and private sectors, and the marketing arm for technocracy, as they talk about the fourth industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, right, is the merger of the biological, physical, and digital worlds. And it's really the bridge between the third industrial era and the fourth industrial era. Well, we are seeing, right, a lot of stresses on the system, supposedly. We're seeing cyber hacking. We're seeing power grids going down. We're seeing uh, identity theft, right? We're seeing all these issues. So you think that it would lead people to want to revolt against this system, understanding that they've been sort of uh, engineered into a technological prison, and the technological prison has a lot of flaws and it creates a lot of problems for them, like identity theft that we didn't have to worry about 20 years ago, or cyber hacking, or having your bank accounts stolen, things that you did not have to worry about before those technologies existed. Unfortunately, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, unfortunately, I believe that the system, right, the worldwide technocracy, that a lot of what you're witnessing happen uh, or happening appears to be the system breaking down. I believe it's actually orchestrated by the system. It's an orchestrated collapse. And the objective is to then drive us further into the arms of technology. So, If you wanted to force people, if you wanted to flim-flam people, if you wanted to trick people into central bank digital currency, into getting a rice grain size microchip in their hand as their form of payment, if you wanted to push people into uh, the technocracy further, what would you do, right? If you wanted to make it go faster than just uh, natural progress, I would be orchestrating such events, orchestrating cyber hacking, orchestrating uh, identity theft, orchestrating power grid outages. And then I would use those to say to people, hey, we have to have more security. We need to move to the rice grain chip in the hand, or we need to move to a QR code system, or we need to move towards a brain chip inside of your head. That's what I would do 
if I was working for these folks. That's what I would actually recommend, that we orchestrate this stuff, like controlled opposition, similar to that, and we would move people towards more technology instead of away from technology because you never see the discussion come up except for people like me, uh, maybe you, but I'm talking about people that are out there trying to put their ideas forward like I am. There's probably a couple dozen people who say less technology is the answer. Hey, you want to end cyber hacking? Well, let's go back to cash. Okay, so unfortunately, I don't see the system actually breaking down. I see it being a controlled demolition and orchestrated collapse um, in order to drive people further into the arms of technology and not away from technology. Now, the true revolution, the organic revolution, um, is me, is you, people like us that are actually talking about how we can step outside of the system. That's truly how you revolt against the system and resist the system. You just figure out what it is, where it is, and then move away from it and choose to interact with it as little as possible. Now, obviously, when you're driving down the street, driving down the highway, you're tracked by cameras, scanners, all that. You can't avoid that. It's there, and it's constantly being built. And whether they claim they're going to reform it, they're going to restrict it the cameras are up there on the highway and as the author says they may only scan the plates of speeders today but the technology is there to scan everyone's plate tomorrow and you can't keep track of all the laws and rules and regulations nor can an elected official even if you want to believe that person is a good guy they have no clue that all this stuff is going on no one including myself could track all of this it's huge if we wanted to find out what a particular camera on a highway is scanning, it could take us 10, 15, 20, 30 hours just to go back and find all the legislation and the budgets and everything else that allowed that camera to go up. That's one camera. Then we're going to fight that camera? Well, guess what? There's 5 billion other cameras around the planet Earth doing the same exact thing. So I think you're going to see the orchestrated collapse to drive us further into the arms of technology. The only way to truly resist or revolt is to do it in your own life. Paragraph 135. It says in paragraph 125, we used an analogy of a weak neighbor who is left destitute by a strong neighbor who takes all his land by forcing on him a series of compromises but suppose now that the strong neighbor gets sick so that he is unable to defend himself the weak neighbor can force the strong one to give him his land back or he can kill him if he lets the strong man survive and only forces him to give the land back, he is a fool. Because when the strong man gets well, he will again take all the land for himself. The only sensible alternative for the weaker man is to kill the strong one while he has the chance. In the same way, while the industrial system is sick, we must destroy it. If we compromise with it and let it recover from its sickness, it will eventually wipe out all of our freedom. And let me point this out, because that's very important as well. As I've mentioned on the show, I believe we are in a bridge period between the third industrial era and the fourth industrial era. This is sort of the silver lining in all this. I see it as the system. There was a decision made by those that run the system that the system may be 
was going under a series of stresses because they built it up so quickly. Technology got to the point where it was starting to grow exponentially. And so just like maybe Catherine Austin Fitz, Wide Awake Jim, John Titus, and others talk about the fiat currency system, the system of debt, they can't keep it running forever. It's splitting at the seams. So what they do is they devise the new plan, the new system, the new technocracy, right? So while they're between the third and the fourth industrial eras, and we're in this fourth industrial revolution phase, right? They call theirs a revolution. It's technology revolting against humanity. That's really what it is. They are weak, in my opinion. It's like moving a company from one operating system to another operating system. And in that downtime, there's a weakness. Unfortunately, we don't have an organized force. Like this would be the time to revolt against the system. Although people are not organized, they don't understand it, they don't know what's coming, they don't know where it came from, they're not listening to this show and others. So we can't revolt against it as a collective. But what I think, and and this is what allows me to have some hope for myself and my family, is I believe this bridge period is a little bit longer than most people actually believe. I think it's going to take them at least to 2030, maybe a few years later, to get a lot of the full-blown digital slavery into place. I think it's taking them longer than they would have liked. Maybe they're having some issues with the technology. Maybe all the little worker bees and all the companies aren't working as fast as they wanted them to. Maybe they made mistakes. Maybe they jabbed the crap out of people. They gave a bunch of people chemo brain, and those people, just like at the uh, tire place this morning, are going to work and they're not programming as fast as they wanted them to so the system is taking longer for them to build this full-blown digital slave system this matrix is taking them longer to build so for people like you and me this is where we have the ability to revolt because the system is weak if all of a sudden let's say you're starting with nothing today nothing zero and you're saying, well, how am I going to catch up? How am I ever going to be able to buy a piece of land, free and clear the banks? Well, if you have 10 years to do it and you put these goals together, then you have the ability to get that accomplished before they lock down the whole prison system. You still have the ability, like in, uh, what was that movie with Clint Eastwood? Escape from Alcatraz, you still have the ability to use your spoon to break apart the concrete blocks, dig the hole, and escape from Alcatraz. Because this isn't coming tomorrow. It's coming 10 years from now. So you have the ability to set things up appropriately and to be able to escape the system. That's what I think the upside to this stuff is, folks. Let's continue. We're on a new section now. This is simpler social problems have proved intractable. Paragraph 136. If anyone still imagines that it would be possible to reform the system in such a way as to protect freedom from technology, let him consider how clumsily and for the most part unsuccessfully our society has dealt with other social problems that are far more simple and straightforward. Among other things, the system has failed to stop environmental degradation, political corruption, drug trafficking, 
or domestic abuse. Now, the, the author does bring up environment a lot. Don't think of it as the climate change grift, because obviously we do pollute the environment, even Wide Awake Jim admits that. The climate grift is about stopping pollution that actually isn't real or causing the effects that they claim it is. All right, and trying to stop certain things that are just going to drive up costs for you and me and drive us further into a carbon credit slave state system. This author is talking about actually protecting the real environment, the natural world, and humanity. He is pro-human. He is pro-natural world. Uh, but look at the issues he brings up. Envi- or what you would call social issues back in 1995. Environmental degradation, political corruption, drug cra- uh, trafficking, domestic abuse. So as he's saying, how were we as a society going to fix that stuff? How do we change the culture to change the society? That wasn't done. So how the hell are you going to reform a technological prison planet state, which is much harder to do, and which is almost impossible to explain to people i mean if you're listening to me talk about this almost every single day on average 25 26 days a month right you're a special person as far as i'm concerned i am too to be able to sit here and talk about this and break it down try to analyze it and understand it the majority of people can't do that try to explain central bank digital currency to one person uh, that, that doesn't know about all this stuff it's very very difficult to do so if the system cannot stop things it's claiming to want to stop, like destroying the environment, political corruption, drug trafficking, domestic abuse, how is the system going to stop something that the system is actually building? Technocracy. The system is technocracy. We live in a culture of technocracy. So to believe we're going to change that at a large level as a collective, and we're going to free all these people that don't even know that they're living in a prison is ridiculous but it's it's fine i think because we discovered we have to save ourselves and i believe if you come up with a plan and we start to escape the system we are going to lead others by example there will be people your kids your grandkids and others will start to take notice of this once a few bad things happen to them while they're living in the system let's say they live in a densely populated area in a city And they just realize how disgusting it is. It's breaking down. They're always getting ripped off. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Their bank account gets hacked. Their credit card gets stolen. All of these things. Eventually, they get a bad taste in their mouth. And you tell them, that's the system of technocracy, kiddo. That's what I've been talking to you about. All of the problems that come along with living in the technological society are the problems that most people are facing each and every day. The traffic. Oh, I have friends of mine here in Frederick that drive to D.C. to go to work. Why did they move out to Frederick? Because they couldn't afford a two-bedroom house for a million dollars in D.C. So they move out here and they buy a two-bedroom house for $500,000. Then they drive two hours to work, two hours back, four hours in the car. A day, five days a week, 20 hours in the car. That's a 1,000 hours a year they're spending in the car driving back and forth to work. And they see the congestion. That is all a problem connected to the technological society. Want to avoid it? Move to the woods of West Virginia. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to move to a short break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.
to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. All right, folks, we're in the middle of industrial society and its future, written in 1995, and we are on paragraph 137. Take our environmental problems, for example. Here, the conflict of values is straightforward. Economic expedience now versus saving some of our natural resources for our grandchildren okay so you got it here's the example economic expedience right now versus saving some of the natural resources for our grandchildren but on this subject we get only a lot of blather and obfuscation from the people who have power and nothing like a clear consistent line of action and we keep on piling up environmental problems that our grandchildren will have to live with now I'll just bring this up now. It's important because we just mentioned, uh, I just talked about orchestrated collapse, controlled demolition to drive us further into technocracy. So over the last 25 years, you have the climate change hustle, the green grift going on. And as you can see through the documents that Wide Awake Jim has broken down, and now especially the books he's been getting into reviewing here at the show, you can see that they took, the elites took a problem that they caused through industrialization, which is real pollution. They manipulated the facts, all right? They messed with the science to create a fake problem for why the planet is being polluted. They take all of these natural occurrences, tornadoes, hurricanes, droughts, flooding, and such, and they blame that on the fake science they created so they could point the finger at us. And then the solution now to saving the planet for our kids and grandkids is to drive us into a carbon credit-based CBDC system, which will not save the planet, but will give them more power and control. So the technological system expands. More freedom is taken away. And the climate does not end up changing, nor does the planet end up being protected. The elites now take the natural world and they start manipulating biology and they have further control over humanity and nature. That's actually what they're doing. So, as I said, this is an orchestrated collapse, a controlled demolition to drive us further into technology. So, they take what's a real issue, they pervert it, and then they use it to further control folks and drive them further into a slave state system, all by telling you it's their plan to save humanity. And remember, why do Jim blew this out of the water? He proved the people that created the climate hoax are the bankers. The bankers are the ones driving the so-called... Uh, propaganda to save the planet well they're also the ones who destroyed the planet and they're the ones who actually continue to pollute and destroy the planet in ways that are not going to change like using the throwaway plastic bottles that wide awake jim used as a very simple example here on the show they're not going to fix that 
Although that would actually have an effect on so-called pollution. Let's continue. Attempts to resolve the environmental issue consist of struggles and compromises between different factions, some of which are ascendant at one moment, others at another moment. The line of struggle changes with the shifting currents of political opinion. This is not a rational process, nor is it one that is likely to lead to a timely and successful solution to the problem. Major social problems, if they get, quote, solved, end quote, at all, are rarely or never solved through any rational, comprehensive plan. They just work themselves out through a process in which various competing groups pursuing their own, usually short-term, self-interest arrive, mainly at luck, at some more or less stable modus vivendi. In fact, the principles we formulated in paragraphs 100 to 106 make it seem doubtful that rational long-term social planning can ever be successful. So the author is even saying, you know, he showed you that the long-term social planning doesn't actually work, right? And then the short-term stuff is short-term, right? So let's just leave it right there. I'm going to move on to paragraph 138. Thus, it is clear that the human race has at best a very limited capacity for solving even relatively straightforward social problems. How then is it going to solve the far more difficult and subtle problem of reconciling freedom with technology technology presents clear-cut material advantages whereas freedom is an abstraction that means different things to different people and its loss is easily obscured by propaganda and fancy talk now this is what i constantly struggle with i've talked a little bit about it on the show today clearly i talk about it a lot on the dust and gold standard it's very difficult to fight back against something that the majority wants to grow. And I've said before, Legal Man talks a lot about this on the podcast, the Quash, these Barnum statements, which really don't mean anything. They're really not defined. And so you have to define in your mind what is freedom. I've asked you what freedom means to you. Freedom is never going to mean the same thing to everyone because it is an abstract. So if you want more freedom or more liberty, you're going to have to define it and then create that, carve it out in your life. Uh, Because the system uh, of technology is just going to continue to grow because people want technology. They are sold on the idea of perceived convenience, Get this, it'll make your life better. Get this, it'll make your tasks easier. So they're sold on the idea of technology, although they are losing freedom, but they don't realize that, and they're not going to realize that. And freedom to you means something than it does to me. Maria Albanese and I are good friends. We talk a lot off the air. Her and I, I know, I've never really said this to her straight up, but we have a different idea what freedom actually is. Jim and I. Why do Jim and I have a different idea of what freedom is? So we're not all going to agree on freedom. So even if you could bring in the United States all 370 million people, including babies, to a table to make decisions on what freedom is and where technology is going to go, what lines we're going to cross and not cross, not everyone would agree because not everyone has the same idea 
of what freedom is. I said to you, some people may believe that freedom is to be able to install a brain chip in their head, or their idea of freedom may be that they get to take hormones and mutilate their genitals. You know, so how are you ever going to come to terms with what freedom is? You want to complain, or I do, about censorship on Spotify or censorship on YouTube or on Twitter or Facebook? Well, those companies are going to say it is their freedom to be able to censor people. See, not everyone is going to agree on this idea of freedom. So you have to define freedom and then build your life around the closest you can get to that notion of freedom, that definition of freedom, of what you see freedom as. Paragraph 139, and note this important difference. It is conceivable that our environmental problems, for example, may someday be settled through a rational, comprehensive plan. But if this happens, it will be only because it is in the long-term interest of the system to solve these problems. That's the climate change hustle. It's in their interest. They're not actually solving the problems. They're going to drive you further into technology. They're going to further destroy the planet. They're going to blame it on you. Because as the author mentions earlier, they are focused on the immediate returns. They don't care about long-term. They're not thinking generationally. The people running the system are thinking generationally in terms of locking their kids and grandkids into power, into control, to be the elites in the society. They're not thinking long-term about whether or not the planet is going to be polluted. goes on to say, but it is not in the interest of the system to preserve freedom or small group autonomy. On the contrary, it is the interest of the system to bring human behavior under control to the greatest possible extent. Did this author not nail this or what, folks? 28 years ago. Goes on to say, thus, while practical considerations may eventually force the system to take a rational, prudent approach to environmental problems, equally practical considerations will force the system to regulate human behavior even more closely, preferably by indirect means that will disguise the encroachment on freedom. This just isn't our opinion. Eminent social scientists, for example, James Q. Wilson, have stressed the importance of socializing people more effectively. You got that? Again, this author nailed it back in 1995. Everything that we're seeing going on today was predicted in this paper. This paper should have been called The Crystal Ball. Because it nails exactly what's happening here under this system of technocracy. And hopefully one day, 28 years from now, there will be folks sitting there going, wow, the dust and gold standard, they really nailed it. Look at what we're living under today. This guy knew what was happening. No, folks, it's not predicting the future. We're not prophets here. We're just looking at the plans, as this gentleman did, this author did. He looked at the plans. He connected the dots. He backed up and tried to look at this from a perspective of human nature, and he was able to see what was coming. He didn't predict it. He actually was just able to look at what these guys were building and understand what the uh, rational conclusion was going to be. And and I see it as the engineering of humanity out of existence. That's where this system goes. That does not mean 
that someone at the top like Klaus Schwab or Yuval Noah Harari or any of them have to sit there in the mirror and go, we are going to engineer humanity out of existence. Just look at the technology they have. Look at the psychology of the folks they have developing this. And the only rational conclusion is to understand that it leads to the engineering of humanity out of existence because they're always trying to engineer everything to conform to this utopian system they have in mind. And, and I said a few minutes ago, these guys don't care about, you know, short-term climate change or polluting the planet. Maybe they actually do. So maybe their solution is they're going to wipe out a large portion of the population so less resources are consumed, meaning they have access to more resources. They lower the pollution in which they think that's going to save the planet. So they'll kill people to save the planet for themselves. I mean, that makes perfect sense. If you were in power to do that, you know, would you not? I mean, I I wouldn't because I don't think that I'm the type of person that could be Thanos from the Marvel superhero movies and snap my fingers and kill half the planet to save the other half. I, I just don't think I could do that. But these guys definitely are of that mindset. All right, folks, when we get back, we're going to continue. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, we're going to start on the next section here. Revolution is easier than reform. And this is paragraph 140. The author says, we hope we have convinced the reader that the system cannot be reformed in such a way as to reconcile freedom with technology. The only way out is to dispense with the industrial technological system altogether. This implies revolution, not necessarily an armed uprising, but certainly a radical and fundamental change in the nature of society. Now, I'm interested. I haven't read this uh, probably for a few years. And I've read this seven or eight times, I would say, over the last 15 to 17 years. 
And each time I read it, I pick up new things because now I can connect it into the additional research I've done since the last time I read it. It makes more and more sense to me each time I absorb this information. Now, I want to see what the author says here about this nonviolent revolution. It says, paragraph 141, people tend to assume that because a revolution involves a much greater change than reform does, it is more difficult to bring about than reform is. Actually, under certain circumstances, revolution is much easier than reform. The reason is that a revolutionary movement can inspire an intensity of commitment that a reform movement cannot inspire. A reform movement merely offers to solve a particular social problem. A revolutionary movement offers to solve all problems at one stroke and create a whole new world. It provides the kind of ideal for which people will take great risks and make great sacrifices. Interesting to point out that the technocrats are actually running what is called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Now, are we fighting back against the revolution as a collective? No. But they are running what is called the revolution. So are they saying that they're going to reform certain problems in the third industrial era? Or are they saying the fourth industrial revolution will bring this wide sweeping change and getting people to get behind it, even though there's greater risks? Well, you've heard Peter Thiel, one of the most powerful technocratic transhumanists, government oligarchs today, he has said, singularity, the merger of man and machine, will either bring great investment opportunities that will bring a boom of investment opportunities or a boom that will destroy the world. So he's willing to take that risk. And the merger of man and machine is one major piece of the fourth industrial revolution, which is the merger of the physical, biological, and digital. Right? They're merging all three. It goes on to say, for this reason, it would be much easier to overthrow the whole technological system than to put effective permanent restraints on the development or application of any one segment of technology, such as genetic engineering, for example. Not many people will devote themselves with single-minded passion to imposing and maintaining restraints on genetic engineering, but under suitable conditions, large numbers of people may devote themselves passionately to a revolution against the industrial technological system. As we noted in paragraph 132, reformers seeking to limit certain aspects of technology would be working to avoid a negative outcome. But revolutionaries work to gain a powerful reward, fulfillment of their revolutionary vision, and therefore work harder and more consistently than reformers do. That, that's a very interesting take on this. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I think we live, it, it's very hard to explain, actually. Uh, and I, I didn't really think this through, so I'm not going to try to explain it all here today. But we live in a different place than we did in 95. I think right now it'd be very difficult to lead or attempt to lead some sort of a revolutionary stand against technocracy. I just think people are more disconnected now that we are connected on the internet, that it would be near impossible 
to actually lead a revolution against technology. I don't even think people understand that technology brings technocracy, nor do they understand, obviously, what technocracy is. The vast majority of people, I'm talking 99.99%, never even heard the term technocracy, and then you'd have to define it for them and explain it to them. So I, I just don't see there being a revolt against this uh, system only revolting in your personal life let's continue paragraph 142 reform is always restrained by the fear of painful consequences if changes go too far for once a revolutionary fever has taken hold of a society people are willing to undergo unlimited hardships for the sake of their revolution this was clearly shown in the French and Russian revolutions. It may be that in such cases, only a minority of the population is really committed to the revolution, but this minority is sufficiently large and active so that it becomes the dominant force in society. We all have more to say about revolution in paragraphs 180 through 205. So I just want you to think about this. You know, maybe pause and think about this for a bit before we get to paragraph 180, which will probably be tomorrow. Uh, right now, I'm going to continue, but just think about reform versus revolution and think about what I'm talking about that, you know, as a collective, I, I just don't see it happening. I think people have to revolt first in their personal life. Let's see, if you can't make that happen, how are you going to end up revolting against an entire system? So what we're going to focus on over um, the next, you know, God, I don't know, 50 shows, we're going to be talking about how to revolt against the system. I really want to pick Wide Awake Jim's brain and figure out how to help folks make some more money so that they can get the tools, the property, et cetera, et cetera, necessary to exit the system. Let's continue. Control of human behavior. Paragraph 143. Since the beginning of civilization, organized societies have had to put pressures on human beings of the sake of the functioning of the social organism. The kinds of pressures vary greatly from one society to another. Some of the pressures are physical. Poor diet, uh, excessive labor, environmental pollution. Some are psychological, noise, crowding, forcing human behavior into the mold that society requires. In the past, human nature has been approximately constant, or at any rate, has varied only within certain bounds. Consequently, societies have been able to push people only up to certain limits. When the limit of human endurance has been passed, things start going wrong. Rebellion or crime or corruption or evasion of work or depression and other mental problems or an elevated death rate or a declining birth rate or something else so that either the society breaks down or its functioning becomes too inefficient and it is quickly or gradually through conquest attrition or evolution replaced by some more efficient form of society now that's important that the author brings it up but i think what you're seeing today or all the things he names there, you actually see are helping, right? are happening, right? Rebellion, crime, corruption, evasion of work, depression, other mental problems, elevated death rate, declining birth rate. You're seeing all this. But I believe that was actually orchestrated. We were engineered into 
those things on the list for the purpose of what it says here, that the functioning becomes too inefficient and it is replaced by some more efficient form of society. The more efficient form is actually what we're seeing coming from technocracy. They believe it's more efficient. It will be efficient according to their system, which is no freedom, all technocracy. So a lot of the stuff the author points out here has actually happened as a result of the system orchestrating us into these problems in order to then push us into the solution which is more technology that's problem reaction solution let's continue paragraph 144 thus human nature has in the past put certain limits on the development of societies people could be pushed only so far and no farther but today this may be changing because modern technology is developing ways of modifying human beings right That's what we just talked about there. Paragraph 145. Imagine a society that subjects people to conditions that make them terribly unhappy, then gives them drugs to take away their unhappiness. Science fiction? It is already happening to some extent in our own society. Again, folks, 28 years ago. Look at us now. It is well known that the rate of clinical depression has been greatly increasing in recent decades. We believe that this is due to disruption of the power process as explained in paragraphs 59 to 76. Now, we know that depression, folks, this is me speaking, we know that depression is up even more and has only grown exponentially since COVID land, the high school theater production. I did shows on this. And what is the solution to the problem created by the system? By locking people down, by turning them into germaphobes and hypochondriacs, they want to put people on psilocybin mushrooms and ketamine and strap an AR, augmented reality headset, to your face. No, I'm serious. We've covered this on shows. And Yuval Noah Harari the king philosopher of the fourth industrial revolution has said give them drugs and give them video games these useless humans yeah he's actually said that so there you go folks back 28 years ago goes on to say but even if we are wrong the increasing rate of depression is certainly the result of some conditions that exist in today's society instead of Removing the conditions that make people depressed, modern society gives them antidepressant drugs. That's the Rockefeller Medical Industrial Complex, folks. We talked about this with Coach Saji, I don't know, 10 episodes ago or something. Rockefeller Medical Industrial Complex. Treat the symptoms. Never look to the root of the problem. And as I keep telling you, the answer is never less technology, it's more technology. They never say, wait a second, uh, X, Y, and Z is happening. Let's get rid of the internet. No, it's let's get more internet. It's always more technology. The reason why people are depressed is because they don't all have access to 5G high-speed internet. Let's give them all access to 5G high-speed internet. Goes on to say, in effect, antidepressants are a means of modifying an individual's internal state in such a way as to enable him to tolerate social conditions that he would otherwise find intolerable. Yes, we know the depression is often of purely genetic origin. We are referring here to those cases in which environment plays the predominant role. And as Coach Saji talked about, you know, the radio waves. 
uh, pollutants in the air, all these toxins we're taking into our body through GMO'd foods, poison soil, poison water, poison air. That is what is causing a lot of these problems, but we're never going to treat the actual problem because we're not going to get rid of the radio waves and the polluted soils and water and everything. That's all done intentionally, folks. Paragraph 146, drugs that affect the mind are only one example of the new methods of controlling human behavior that modern society is developing. Let us look at some of the other methods. Paragraph 147, to start with, there are the techniques of surveillance. Hidden video cameras are now used in most stores and in many other places. Computers are used to collect and process vast amounts of information about individuals. Information so obtained greatly increases the effectiveness of physical coercion, for example, law enforcement. Then there are the methods of propaganda for which the mass communication media provide effective vehicles. Efficient techniques have been developed for winning elections, selecting products, um, influencing public opinion. The entertainment industry serves as an important psychological tool of the system, possibly even when it is dishing out large amounts of sex and violence. Entertainment provides modern man with an essential means of escape. While absorbed in television, videos, etc., he can forget stress, anxiety, frustration, dissatisfaction. Many primitive peoples, when they don't have work to do, are quite content to sit for hours at a time doing nothing at all because they are at peace with themselves and their world. But most modern people must be constantly occupied or entertained. Otherwise, they get bored. For example, they get fidgety, uneasy, irritable. Ladies and gentlemen, don't get fidgety fidgety <laughs> it reminds me of willie g he gets fidgety he gets bored fidgety uneasy and irritable just sit still and wait as we get through this short commercial break that is if spotify is running ads which i haven't seen them doing lately so at the end of the month i may not be able to put food on the table if spotify is not serving up these ads to the public side of this podcast who knows in this crazy world we live in i'll be right back this is dust to gold with the dust to gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. All right, folks, let's continue here. We're making some progress getting through this paper, ladies and gentlemen. Paragraph 148. Other techniques strike deeper than the foregoing. Education is no longer a simple affair of patting a kid's behind when he doesn't know his lessons and patting him on the head when he does know them. It is becoming a scientific technique for controlling the child's development. Sylvan Learning Centers, for example, have had great success in motivating children to study. And psychological techniques are also used with more or less success in many conventional schools. One day we'll get into this, folks. We'll do some uh, shows on this because Maggie and I, my wife, we're going to be homeschooling Willie. And, it, and it's not sitting him at a desk and reading him uh, books and, and using blackboards the way they do at school. It has nothing to do with it. I'm going to be developing our own uh, schooling, actually. And I've been meeting with some homeschoolers and some homeschool parents and stuff uh, over the last several years. And we're going to be even doing a lot different uh, than than they were, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll be sharing that all on the show as well. It says, uh, quote, parenting, end quote, techniques that are taught to parents are designed to make children accept fundamental values of the system and behave in ways that the system finds desirable. Quote, mental health, end quote, programs that the system, uh, mental health programs, intervention techniques Psychotherapy and so forth are ostensibly designed to benefit individuals, but in practice, they usually serve as methods for inducing individuals to think and behave as the system requires. We've actually gone over this, I I think, in yesterday's, uh, I'm sorry, in episode 134. Yesterday was Wide Awake Jim. I think I talked a little bit about this. goes on to say there is no contradiction here. An individual whose attitudes or behavior bring him into conflict with the system is up against a force that is too powerful for him to conquer or escape from. Hence, he is likely to suffer from stress, frustration, and defeat. His path will be much easier if he thinks and behaves as the system requires. In that sense, the system is acting for the benefit of the individual when it brainwashes him into conformity all right and and we talked about that in the case of a kid with supposed adhd if they're fidgety in the class they're going to be a problem if they take a pill and they shut up and they become a robot and an npc they will survive in the system as i've told you they make it easier to survive in the system than to survive outside of the system So if you want to give up all your freedom, your liberty, and your human autonomy, and you want to live inside of the system, you know, take the blue pill and live in the system, then what I would do is I would just stop consuming podcasts, independent media, I'd stop watching the news, I'd stop reading the newspaper, I wouldn't try to pay attention to any of this because it's going to drive you crazy, just take the ignorance is bliss pill and live inside the system. Now, the system may lead you to the CVS parking lot where you'll get shot up in your arm with a jab or have a Q-tip shoved up into your brain. The system may end up 
killing you. The system may slowly poison you, but living in the system is much easier, meaning you can just numb your mind with drugs and booze and live inside the system until you die. But the system is eventually going to lead to the engineering of humanity out of existence. So if you work hard to try to exit the system, teach your kids and grandkids how to live outside of the system, they may have a real shot at living under relative freedom, at least for much longer than those folks who live in the system and have no freedom whatsoever. I mean, that's just my opinion on this. Goes on to say, child abuse in its gross and obvious forms is disapproved in most, if not all, cultures. Tormenting a child for a trivial reason or no reason at all is something that appalls almost everyone. But many psychologists interpret the concept of abuse much more broadly. Is spanking, when used as part of a rational and consistent system of discipline, a form of abuse? The question will ultimately be decided by whether or not spanking tends to produce behavior that makes a person fit in well with the existing system of society. In practice, the word abuse tends to be interpreted to include any method of child-rearing that produces behavior inconvenient for the system. Thus, when they go beyond the prevention of obvious senseless cruelty, programs for preventing child abuse are directly toward the control of human behavior on behalf of the system, right? And and I think you understand that. What the author is saying here is that as long as whatever the so-called abuse is pushes kids into conforming with the system, then it's okay. I mean, myself personally, I believe in all honesty, and I'm not judging you guys, obviously, uh, my parents sent me to public school. They uh, had me vaccinated based on the government vaccine schedules and everything. So uh, I forgive my parents. Therefore, I forgive you. If you're listening to this, you're obviously beginning to awaken from the real matrix. I think at a certain point when you understand the true dangers of the vaccines, the 60 some odd vaccines the CDC recommends sticking your kid with up until uh, they hit age six, If you know about the dangers and then you actually go vaccinate your kid, you're committing child abuse. Now, the system would not say that. The system says you're committing child abuse if you don't give the child all the so-called vaccines. The system actually considers you abusing your child if you homeschool them. They, they, they try to deem that to be child abuse. If you take them out of the public indoctrination system, they consider that to be child abuse. They look at you as a sick, twisted person because you're not sending your kid to training to live inside of the slave system. Now, try to explain this to people, and you'll look crazy because the vast majority of people vaccinate their kids, and the vast majority of people send their kids to the public indoctrination system. I believe if you know the dangers of the public indoctrination system. One, because they're indoctrinating. Two, because they're not actually learning anything. Three, they're actually making them dumber, in my opinion. Then you're committing child abuse because you understand the abuse that goes on within the system and you continue to send your kids there. 
All right, let's continue. Paragraph 149, presumably research will continue to, to increase the effectiveness of psychological techniques for controlling human behavior, but we think it is unlikely that psychological techniques alone will be sufficient to adjust human beings to the kind of society that technology is creating. Biological methods probably will have to be used. We have already mentioned the use of drugs in this connection. Neurology may provide other avenues for modifying the human mind. Genetic engineering of human beings is already beginning to occur in the form of, quote, gene therapy, end quote, and there is no reason to assume that such methods will not eventually be used to modify those aspects of the body that affect mental functioning. We've talked all about this here, and gene therapy, everyone was running around at the beginning of COVID land talking about mRNA supposed vaccines, the jabs as gene therapy, as if it was new. This is 1995, and this author was talking about it, folks. When did COVID land kick off? 2020. So 25 years earlier, this author was talking about gene therapy, and he's talking about all the other technologies that will be used to control people's minds. Well, we uncovered this. I mean, not uncovered it. We discussed it. We weren't the first to talk about it, but the MK Ultra Mind Control programs that were going on after World War II, led by Sidney Gottlieb, the CIA's chemist. Well, guess what? I'll just give you a hint here. This author... According to official narrative, at age 16, went to Harvard University. He was a math genius. And while he was there, there was a professor who, it was later revealed, was connected to the MKUltra mind control programs. And this 16-year-old kid had MKUltra program, uh, you know, brainwashing done to him. All right? He did not want that to come out in the public back when he wrote this because he did not want it to discredit what he actually wrote that's the official narrative but it was true and apparently uh admitted to paragraph 150 as we mentioned in paragraph 134 industrial society seems likely to be entering a period of severe stress due in part to problems of human behavior and in part to economic and environmental problems and a considerable proportion of the system's economic and environmental problems result from the way human human beings behave alienation low self-esteem depression hostility rebellion children who won't study youth gangs illegal drug use rape child abuse other crimes unsafe sex teen pregnancy population growth political corruption race hatred ethnic rivalry bitter ideological conflict for example pro-choice versus pro-life political extremism terrorism sabotage anti-government groups hate groups all these threaten the very survival of the system the system will therefore be forced to use every practical means of controlling human behavior right so all of these issues that he just brought up I will also point out many of them have been actually provoked by and orchestrated by the system itself. All right, we've seen this throughout time. So the system, in many cases, actually funds both sides of all of these issues. All right, you will find, let's say, the bankers or the government behind all sides of these issues. And they create chaos, and they use that to divide and to conquer. And in the end, they use it to engineer people back into the system. Right, The system keeps everyone working and fighting within the very system, but never actually offers solutions to escape the system. 
right? The prison planet wardens aren't going to tell you how to escape the prison. How do you escape the prison? Cut the chain link fence and walk out of the prison and get the hell out of there. But they're never going to tell you that. They're going to try to reform the actions within the prison to make the prison a more comfortable place for you to live. Till eventually, all the prisoners are drugged up and sitting there in chairs like vegetables, staring at the walls. And now they're no longer a threat to the very system. Right? That is what is happening. This is what the author is getting at here. That eventually they will just genetically modify everyone to conform to the environment created by the very system everyone's living in. And I'm telling you, I'll just repeat it again. I'm not going to mention it again in this show. It leads to the engineering of humanity out of existence because in the end, humans will not fully conform to the system. They're just going to have to get humans out of the equation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. I'm going to step out of this equation. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue with industrial society and its future. Written in 1995, 28 years ago, paragraph 151, it says the social disruption that we see today is certainly not the result of mere chance. It could only be a result of the conditions of life that the system imposes on people. We have argued that the most important of these conditions is disruption of the power process. If the systems succeeds in imposing sufficient control over human behavior to assure its own survival, a new watershed in human history will have been passed. Whereas formerly the limits of human endurance have imposed limits on the development of societies, as we explained in paragraphs 143 and 144. Industrial technological society or technocracy will be able to pass those limits by modifying human beings, whether by psychological methods or biological methods or both. In the future, 
social systems will not be adjusted to suit the needs of human beings. Instead, human beings will be adjusted to suit the needs of the system. Does that sound uh, dystopian to you folks? Does that not sound like the setup for a science fiction novel or a science fiction movie? Let me just read that one more time because I think it's very important to understand this. It says, whereas formerly the limits of human endurance have imposed limits on the development of societies, industrial technological society will be able to pass those limits by modifying human beings, whether by psychological methods or biological methods or both. In the future, social systems will not be adjusted to suit the needs of human beings. Instead, human beings will be adjusted to suit the needs of the system. And I've repeated this on many, 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 many shows. That with the scientists, the engineers, and the technologists in charge, all backed by the bankers, by the way, because the bankers are the ultimate social engineers. They control the monetary system that makes the world go round. They want to engineer folks into the system, the system they control, right? And they are able to manipulate the vast majority of people through the monetary bribes. So when the author here talks about um, through psychological or biological methods or both, within the psychological methods, you'll be able to add in the monetary system because that's how they bribe people. And they threaten you. You're going to lose your job unless you get jabbed. So let us biologically modify you or you're going to lose your job. We're going to break your mind because you're not going to be able to put food on the table. See, we've talked about this before. It's, it's really, 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 really good, folks. Really good. Paragraph 152. Generally speaking, Technological control over human behavior will probably not be introduced with a totalitarian intention or even through a conscious desire to restrict human freedom. Each new step in the assertion of control over the human mind will be taken as a rational response to a problem that faces society. Brilliant, folks. Brilliant. Such as curing alcoholism, reducing the crime rate, or inducing young people to study science and engineering. Think about it, right? All the facial recognition that has gone up. I mean, it's everywhere, but gone up in New York City. Now they're just in the adoption normalization campaign. So they villainize the, the cops. Good or bad, doesn't matter. They villainize the cops. The cops stop doing their job. They incentivize crime by lowering um the thresholds in which you get arrested based on how much you steal in a store. And then they start to say, look, we caught a bad guy who pushed a lady into a subway with facial recognition and everyone accepts facial recognition is good. See, it's all engineering, folks, all engineering. It says in many cases, there will be a humanitarian justification. For example, when a psychiatrist prescribes an antidepressant for a depressed patient, he is clearly doing that uh, individual of favor, uh, favor. It would be inhumane to withhold the drug from someone who needs it. All right, and I've had pushback from people on uh, Twitter and part of the pain.tv slash gold community, which is fine. But they'll say to me, Dustin, I heard your shows on ketamine and on psilocybin mushrooms. I've been taking X or taking Y, and it's helped me with my uh, problem. 
Okay, more power to you. I'm not judging you. I'm warning people that the ketamine and the psilocybin mushrooms are coming from the government. And they're going to be selling those in the government pot shop soon. You have to ask yourself why the government wants to give out drugs, psychedelic drugs. And the pot they're giving out is psychedelic as well, even though some folks will tell you it's not. It is. I mean, read the actual science. So they're giving you psychedelic drugs. Why would the state, why would the system, why would the technocrats want to give people drugs? They don't love you. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to engineer you into the system. So what is better than folks whose brains are numbed? They convince you that something is wrong with you. And so they're going to drug you to make you fit into society better. Maybe just figure out how to live your life outside of society. Screw what the system says. Revolt against the system. Be punk rock. Rage against the machine. It goes on to say, when parents send their children to Sylvan Learning Centers to have them manipulated into becoming enthusiastic about their studies, they do so from concern for their children's welfare. It may be that some of these parents wish that one didn't have to have specialized training to get a job and that their kid didn't have to be brainwashed into becoming a computer nerd. But what can they do? They can't change society. And their child may be unemployable if he doesn't have certain skills. So they send him to Sylvan. See that? And, and, and look at this from the perspective of folks that went and got the vax even though they didn't want the vax because they were going to lose their job. They couldn't fight back against society. They just had to cave to the system. Same thing. And so this is it here. You have parents that say, you know, I, I don't really want my kid to uh, have to be brought up to be a slave to the system, but they cave to it because they don't look at the alternatives to how they can teach their kid. This is why I've pointed out on this show several times, and hopefully I'll be doing the show when this all comes up because it will become part of it. So hopefully I'm going to help others work through this. I think, at least at this stage, it would be... Um, I believe, irresponsible of me not to teach Willie G about the system, okay, and let's say the jobs in order to earn an income within the system, the more high-paying jobs to teach him the hierarchy of being an executive, being a manager, an administrator, you know, all the way down to a worker, without teaching him that system but so that he understands what the system actually is. And so if he decides he wants to live within that system, then he can do so. He has the skills to do so. But he also will have the skills and hopefully the land to decide he wants to live outside the system if he decides to, or to find a balance between living one foot in and one foot out of the matrix. I think with me knowing everything I know, it is my responsibility as his parent to set him up to be able to have some modicum of success and hopefully be able to thrive, not just survive, unless he chooses he doesn't want to thrive, within the system and within uh, one foot out of the system. So I am doing it um, because I believe it's my duty. Like, you can't just, I, I think it would be unfair for your child in the world we live in, if the system is going to be here, to raise them completely outside of the system, and then 18 years old, you just throw them into the system.
I mean, unless you're going to live in an Amish community, raise your kid up in an Amish community, they send them out at like 16, 17, 18, I think, to go experience the world for a few days. And they give them the choice of whether or not they want to go into that world or they want to stay. Well, that kid wasn't raised with any skills to actually go survive in that world. So they don't really have much of a choice. It's like taking a whale, throwing it onto the beach and saying, hey, do you want to live out here on land? Well, the whale is uh, suffocating and about ready to die because he can't live on the land. So that's what I'm talking about. I think if, if you're listening to this show because you have kids or grandkids and figuring out what to do, I think it's finding the balance between teaching them how to survive in both worlds, but fully explaining to them, knowing everything you know now, what the actual system is. They should understand that. And you say, well, you know, a kid's innocence and everything. Well, the, the innocence thing ends at a certain age. You know, when they can begin to comprehend. And so if you're going to keep your kid in the dark until they're 16, 17, 18, and then release them into the wild, the chances of them succeeding or being able to have an upper hand in this system are going to be slim to none. You might as well teach them this as you're raising them. Think about all the time they'll save, but not sending them to the public indoctrination school system or not letting them watch mindless, stupid television programs goes on to say, paragraph 153, thus control over human behavior will be introduced not by a calculated decision of the authorities, but through a process of social evolution. Rapid evolution, however. The process will be impossible to resist because each advance considered by itself will appear to be beneficial, or at least the evil involved in making the advance will appear to be beneficial or at least the evil involved in making the advance will seem to be less than that which would result from not making it. See paragraph 127. Propaganda, for example, is used for many good purposes, such as discouraging child abuse or race hatred. Sex education is obviously useful, yet the effect of sex education, to the extent that is it is successful, is taking the shaping of sexual attitudes away from the family and put into the hands of the state as represented by the public school system and as you can see this is 28 years ago we're still going through this right now folks uh now they're teaching teaching all the transgender stuff gender bender all this crazy thing all this crazy stuff and that's obviously for the benefit of the system and the system benefits at this stage from families breaking apart, right? And they benefit from uh, uh, destroying traditional values, uh, nucle- a nuclear family and all this. Obviously, the system benefits from that or we wouldn't be going through it. The system benefits from gender bending because they're driving kids away from the real world, right? And real science. And so if boys are girls and girls are boys and you could be anything in between and you could identify as a banana peel or you could identify as a rotting avocado or you could identify as a skirt you know then this whole idea of identifying as human altogether can be completely dissolved so the easier to push people into the idea of personalized dna modifying injections etc etc because if they don't even believe in genders they don't believe in humanity itself i mean it's pretty obvious to see this folks this paper is so brilliant this was written 28 years ago folks just sheer brilliance i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on ping.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on ping.tv 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. My name is Dustin Gold. Right here on Pain.tv slash gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Let's continue. See if we can get through this section, folks. Paragraph. 154. Suppose a biological trait is discovered that increases the likelihood that a child will grow up to be criminal. And suppose some sort of gene therapy can remove this trait. Now, we know obviously this stuff is happening with uh, in vitro. You can listen to my show on the company Orchid Biosciences, where they supposedly remove all of the bad traits from folks' DNA. It says, of course, most parents whose children possess the trait will have them undergo the therapy. It would be inhumane to do otherwise, since the child would probably have a miserable life if he grew up to be a criminal. But many or most primitive societies have a low crime rate in comparison with that of our society. Even though they have neither high-tech methods of child-rearing nor harsh systems of punishment, since there is no reason... To suppose that more modern men than primitive men have innate predatory tendencies, the high crime rate of our society must be due to the pressures that modern conditions put on people, to which that modern conditions, uh, uh, to which may, uh, many cannot or will not adjust. Thus, a treatment designed to remove potential criminal tendencies is at least in part a way of re-engineering people so that they suit the requirements of the system. The other thing here, folks, is that what is a criminal? A criminal is defined by the set of laws and regulations and policies created by the very system itself. So if they found this trait inside your child's DNA that said they were going to be a criminal... A criminal based on what definition of a criminal? So they can engineer the DNA to make them not a criminal in the United States or not a criminal in Saudi Arabia, because obviously the system is different, the laws are different, therefore they'd be a different kind of criminal in a different place. Or a crime they commit here may not be a crime they would commit in Saudi Arabia. Because it's not a crime there. You see, this is the craziness of when you begin engineering the folks to fit the so-called system. 
Goes on to say, paragraph 155, our society tends to regard as a, quote, sickness, end quote, any mode of thought or behavior that is inconvenient for the system. And this is plausible because when an individual doesn't fit into the system, it causes pain to the individual as well as problems for the system. Thus, the manipulation of an individual to adjust him to the system is seen as a cure for a sickness and therefore as good. You understand that, right? So if I don't conform to the system, it would only be humane for the system to give me a drug to make me conform to the system. Therefore, it would also be a benefit to the system to have me not be a pain in the butt running around bucking that system. Again, like drugging your kid who supposedly has ADHD so that they conform to the rules of the school system. Paragraph 156. In paragraph 127, we pointed out that if the use of a new item of technology is initially optional, it does not necessarily remain optional because the new technology tends to change society in such a way that it becomes difficult or impossible for an individual to function without using that technology. Just think of it as the standpoint of the smartphone. All right. Now, I know there's folks out there like my father who is a resistor, but he does have an iPad, okay, because he uses it for his investigative work and to communicate with his children, me included. Uh, But in this world, if you're a young kid, it's very difficult whether you, especially if you work for someone else or even if you work uh, for yourself to operate in this world without a smartphone right now. So the technology is optional, but eventually it grows to the point in which it almost becomes impossible to operate without it. And then if you move into, let's say, without central bank digital currency, let's just say all banks required that you operate on an app or you had to use Apple Pay or something like that, then you get to the point where you're engineered into the system because they offer no other solution. Uh, Let's continue. This applies also to the technology of human behavior. In a world in which most children are put through a program to make them enthusiastic about studying, a parent will almost be forced to put his kid through such a program because if he does not, then the kid will grow up to be, comparatively speaking, an ignoramus and therefore unemployable. Or suppose a biological treatment is discovered that without undesirable side effects will greatly reduce the psychological stress from which so many people suffer in our society. If large numbers of people choose to undergo the treatment, then the general level of stress in society will be reduced so that it will be possible for the system to increase the stress-producing pressures. Ah, get that? So they drug everyone to have less stress. We see this now, folks, don't we? And then they can put more stresses on us because we're all walking around mind-numbed. Everyone will be walking around smoking pot, taking mushrooms, and being uh, pressured by the AR headset. But they'll be fine with it because they'll be drugged to the point where they actually don't resist the pushing around coming through the AR headset. 
insanity goes on to say this will lead more people to undergo the treatment and so forth so that eventually the pressures may become so heavy that few people will be able to survive without undergoing the stress reducing treatment in fact something like this seems to have happened already with one of our society's most important psychological tools for enabling people to reduce or at least temporarily escape from stress namely mass entertainment See paragraph 147 goes on to say our use of mass entertainment is optional. No law requires us to watch television, listen to radio, read magazines. Yet mass entertainment is a means of escape and stress reduction on which most of us have become dependent. Everyone complains about the trashiness of television, but almost everyone watches it. A few have kicked the TV habit. This is back in 95, folks. But it would be a rare person who could get along today without using any form of mass entertainment. Yet, until quite recently in human history, most people got along very nicely with other entertainment than that which each local community created for itself. Without the entertainment industry, the system probably would not have been able to get away with putting as much stress-producing pressure on us as it does. Okay, and, and that's true, folks. Bread and circuses, right? Bread and circuses. You give the people the money, you give the people the entertainment, and for the most part, they're just going to shut up. Now, when COVID Land, the high school theater production came along and the technocrats at the high level started testing, closing the sports stadiums, uh, changing the way TV works, shutting down live events, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we saw more people jumping into the internet. And I thought it was quite interesting. I said, for a moment, are we at end times? There's no way these folks are going to take away the bread and take away the circuses because they stopped you from going to work and getting food coupons. The stimulus checks were a joke, right? So that barely kept people afloat. And then they took away the entertainment. I said, wow, they must be getting ready to kill us because no one at the high levels takes away bread and circuses unless something bad is going to happen. I believe it was a test to see how much stress they can put on us before we actually broke. Uh, but we'll get into that on future shows. It says, paragraph 157, assuming that industrial society, a.k.a. technocracy, survives, it is likely that technology will eventually acquire something approaching complete control over human behavior. It has been established beyond any rational doubt that human thought and behavior have a largely biological basis. As experimenters have demonstrated, feelings such as hunger, pleasure, anger, and fear can be turned on and off by electrical stimulation, by damaging parts of the brain, or they can be brought to the surface by electrical stimulation. Now, we've seen some of this with some of the real-life government Frankenstein doctors we've reviewed here, Dr. James Giordano, Dr. Charles Morgan III, for examples, uh, and we know what they can do. Uh, to the brain, folks. It says hallucinations can be induced or moods changed by drugs. There may or may not be an immaterial human soul, but if there is one, it clearly is less powerful than the biological mechanisms of human behavior. For if that were not the case, then researchers would not be able to easily manipulate human feelings and behavior with drugs and electrical currents. Now, again, uh, interesting point to make here. At the time this was written, no one knew that this author had gone through MK Ultra Mind Control experiments, which actually combined 
drugs, and um, uh, electric brain stimulation. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, and I'm going to do more research on this, the exact measures that this author went through, nor do I think we're going to really know, because uh, they've only released, the government's only released a little bit of information. But he's talking about that. So if the drugs and the electric brain stimulation can manipulate a person and change their behavior, he's saying even if people have a soul, Maybe the soul is not obviously powerful enough to overcome uh, the manipulation from the outside. As Yuval Noah Harari, King philosopher as a false industrial revolutionist, said, you have no spirit, you have no soul, those days are over. We can manipulate you. And he talks about giving people drugs and video games to shut them up. Paragraph 158, it presumably would be impractical for all people to have electrodes inserted into their heads so that they could be controlled by the authorities. Folks, 1995, he's talking about Neuralink brain chip. It presumably would be impractical for all people to have electrodes inserted in their heads so that they could be controlled by the authorities. But the fact that human thoughts and feelings are so open to biological intervention shows that the problem of controlling human behavior is mainly a technical problem, a problem of neurons, hormones, and complex molecules, the kind of problem that is accessible to scientific attack. You are a hackable animal. Given the outstanding record of our society in solving technical problems, it is overwhelmingly probable that great advances will be made in the control of human behavior. All right? He predicted all this stuff, folks. Paragraph 159. Will public resistance prevent the introduction of technological control of human behavior? It certainly would if an attempt were made to introduce such control all at once. But since technological control will be introduced through a long sequence of small advances, there will be no rational and effective public resistance. He points out paragraphs 127, 132, and 153. Paragraph 160, to those who think that all this sounds like science fiction, we point out that yesterday's science fiction is today's fact. You've seen that meme. It actually came from this author, folks. It says the Industrial Revolution has radically altered man's environment and the way of life, and it is only to be expected that as technology is increasingly applied to the human body and mind, man himself will be altered as radically as his environment and way of life has been. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pick up tomorrow, episode 137, with the next section here. Human race at a crossroads. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm at a crossroads. I would love to continue going down this path with you but unfortunately i have to step away folks leave us a five-star review at apple Podcasts along with a comment join us at pain.tv slash gold for less than nine dollars a month and seriously consider making a donation to this show either weekly monthly or annually at donorbox.org slash dustin gold show my name is dustin gold you are listening to pain.tv slash gold and this is the dustin gold standard the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.